Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the five hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This is a Heart and Hand production. everyone and welcome to your latest edition of the Rangers Relay. My name is Cami Bell. Uh, I am from the Heart and Hand podcast and my regular co-host uh, on the Rangers Relay here is Stevie Clifford from the Four Lads Had a Dream blog. Stevie, a, a pleasure to talk to you. Um, always good to be able to try and catch up and talk about all things Rangers with you. Yeah, absolutely, Cami. It's good to be back. I'm feeling a lot better than last time. Last time we recorded, I was just getting over a kind of viral complaint and, and cold and stuff over Christmas. So a lot better tonight um, and, Cammy, since um, since we last recorded six wins. So all in all, it's it's been a, a decent little period for Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the daily before, the basic premise is we all know that there's always things happening in the world of Rangers between Stevie's blog and our pods on Heart and Hand. Uh, we, we do a lot of kind of week-by-week coverage and we feel it's always great for us to be able to jump on and have a chat about, as Stevie said there, the last few weeks. If you want to uh, head back, you'll be able to find them in your pod or Stevie's archives uh, for the previous shows. But Stevie, we last spoke um, in the run-up to uh, the Aberdeen League Cup semi-final, which we successfully navigated. Um, and as you've just also said, uh, a very healthy run of results. So when we spoke last... I think a lot of the focus was on the, the the Michael Beal era had really begun to get a degree of traction. We were obviously still within the transfer window. Um, so we'll talk about all of those things and obviously the, 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 the games that we've had thus far and the performances since we, we last spoke, which was just after the, uh, the win up at Tannadice. We've been to Hamden, uh, which was a complete tatty field, uh, and we were able to beat... 
Aberdeen after coming from a goal down. Uh, we have been able to get a result away at Rugby Park, um, then up to McDermott Park, the Scottish Cup. Um, and then we've had uh, all of our wins uh, across that from the, the, the Premiership games, uh, most recently culminating in a Scottish Cup victory uh, against Thistle at home. And then finally, um, the uh, 3-0 win over at Almondvale, very close to me, as you know. Stevie, let's talk about the kind of running results, I think, because it's always very interesting when we talk about things like this, because as I say, we're very much transactional, right? We do think about in the moment and it's this game to the next game, etc. So we, we like to have the opportunity to do a bit of a kind of a review over the run of games. I am... Um, I am struggling to think as to whether or not Michael Beale could have had much of a better start when you consider some of the teams that we've played in the last few weeks, some of the grounds that we've went to, some of the surfaces that we've played on, and showing some resilience when, in some instances, having to come back from like a goal down. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's much more you can say about the manager than just what an impact he's had. Yeah, I've done them a bit of disservice, actually. It's eight games since we last spoke, so that makes it even more impressive that eight, eight wins on the bounce. Yeah, listen, he's he's done he's done everything we would have asked. You know, short of being two minutes at the end of the old form, he would have been a perfect record. The the team are playing some much better stuff. Something I wanted to touch on, Cammy, maybe, um, you know, it's, it's worthwhile kind of updating at this point or, or touching in on it is how comfortable we're beginning to look defensively again. And I know that was such a bedrock of of the title winning season, um, how well we defended. We're starting to look that kind of comfortable as well. But even letting teams score against us now, Stevie? Yeah, there's been a few games. We are <laughs> probably probably more at the start of, like if you think about the, the Kilmarnock game, where we were a bit ropey. Um, Aberdeen defensively, we weren't that kind of, great for the goal we conceded but then you've had a run of clean sheets they've had just quickly looking at it they've had four out of six clean sheets so you know Patrick Thistle was a bit of an anomaly in that terms with conceding the penalty and then concede they were very unlucky with that VAR call and then obviously the second goal which we should touch on at some point but they've they've looked a lot better I think Ben Davis is starting to really settle in next to Conor Goldson and um, he was somebody that I had a wee bit of doubts around, but he's he's looked a lot more comfortable. And, you know, things are... Michael Beale said that he thinks we're on the mend and things are a working progress. I, I, I see that. That's what I kind of think about as, as well. You'll get the odd anomaly, which sadly, without sounding bad, you know, that performance at Tynecastle was fantastic. That kind of 90-minute constant performance is the one we've been seeking. We managed it there. But it kind of follows the theme that we've discussed quite a bit, Cammy, that the performance levels have been similar. And we start well, maybe have a dip, then they come on to a game again, maybe get a goal, or they concede, then they come on again. You know, it's it's more, there's patches in each game that are kind of similar. So I do think, considering what he took over from, and we need to remember that, the, the kind of fragility of the squad and, and the mental situation that the players and the team were in at that point to come in and and perform and put on a run like this has, has been really credit to him. So I don't think he could have had a better start, uh, minus that that couple of minutes. But even then, if you look at that old firm game and we look at it properly in, in context, 
Rangers are nowhere where nowhere near where we want and need to be. So to hold them in that game, arguably you could say we made them look pretty ordinary. I think that that even then, even though it was only a draw, I think that was also a, a good plus point in terms of performance, not result. We always want to beat them, and it was a chance missed to close the gap. But if you look at it in a wider kind of where we need to go and what we're trying to achieve, I think that all in, we can say now, looking back on it, 14 games in, that it's pretty positive all round. Yeah, listen, absolutely. And and again, we will we will cover some of the kind of more recent games as well, because there's plenty to talk about within them as well for, as I say, Thistle and, and, and obviously most recently Livingston. Um just going back to 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 mid January, though, Stevie, when we uh, have obviously come away from from Hamden, which I think it's always interesting to me because I, I don't think that we can really take fixtures at Hamden for granted. We play a lot better there because I don't really see it necessarily as much of an away ground for us. We we normally take a, a good portion of the the, the stadium anyway, as you know, outside of kind of late, uh, old firm games. However, um, you know, the Hamden Park was an absolute disgrace that day, as you, as you remember. Been able to then go from there up to Perth and been able to come away with a win, keeping the clean sheet, obviously, as you mentioned. Then uh, I think, and again, I don't want to be glib about it or, or sound too arrogant, but the the reverse fixture um, at home in the league against St. Johnson, I think, was a far more um, straightforward affair. And 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 I want to focus is we, we've not really had the chance to kind of mention it and what's happened there after that performance at Tynecastle because one of the things I think we've, we've we've spoken about pretty frequently um, as we review um, the performances versus the results you always want to win of course right no one's going to say I'm really glad that the team played brilliantly and we dropped you know two points or three points or whatever. But one of the things that we have looked at is that we want to be able to just feel more confident and more comfortable. And the the, the game at Tynecastle, and Tynecastle is, is not an easy ground to go to, as you know. The, the the fans are right on top of you. Obviously, we have this ridiculous scenario of the, the away allocation, et cetera, et cetera. And Hearts have been playing well. So, you know, again, living through, in, you know, near West Lothian and, and near Edinburgh and stuff as well, I, you know, mix a lot with with. The, the fans of Edinburgh teams, Hearts fans, were very much feeling confident about where they were where they were going to go with this, and they were blown away by us. It was three going on about eight pretty comfortably, and I'm not being arrogant when I say that. So we're thinking to ourselves, well, that's great. We've, we've been able to see the performance, see the standard that we want, see the, the style of play that we know that Michael Beale has been aiming for if... You know, the adjustment period of him coming in, his player selections, etc., haven't quite allowed him the, the the facility to do so. He did it at Tynecastle. So we go to to we come back to Ibrox and we, we get the to the Ross County game. And that just felt like as if the balloon was burst again. We won, of course, didn't keep the clean sheet, which we had done for the last three games prior, but yet at the same point it felt like as if we've we've dropped back down again. Then we get to the Thistle game, which I think we, I mean, is it, is it unfair to say, Stevie, that we walked into that probably feeling pretty confident against Partick Thistle? We weren't expecting too much of a surprise. Um, but as you alluded to earlier on, uh, we get the, the the VAR decision, which for me was a ridiculous decision. The handball decision is, the, the handball rule at the moment is, is, is crazy. That law needs absolutely revised. But we concede the penalty. Um, Thistle obviously score from it. Um, we take the lead 
<laughs> and I'm keen to get your thoughts on what happened next after that, Stevie, because um, as I said to you beforehand, we'd probably taken a little bit of dip in performances in the game prior. This game, we did not show our best side and yet we allowed Thistle the opportunity to equalise. You were in the gantry that day. I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts in terms of what happened at that time. Where were you, you know, where was your head at? Where were you thinking, have we just thrown this tie away? Is it potentially going to have to, to go the distance when in actual fact we should have put it to bed far, far sooner? Well, I think just after Tynecastle, I think we may have allowed ourselves to get lured into or lulled into a false sense of security. I think that maybe that crept into the performances because... I spoke about getting back to being comfortable right at the, the kind of couple of minutes ago, right at the start of this. Perhaps that sneaked in a wee bit too much because even myself, and I'm guilty of it, in the pre-match on heart and hand, I tipped us to, to score a lot and win big in, in both those games and it was nowhere near it. So perhaps that was maybe where we are. And when we go to Saturday, which we'll come to in a wee second, I thought that it was, it was a lot different attitude and, and comfortable-wise. So... Those two games, I think we caught up in ourselves. Michael Beale's obviously spoken as well about he's maybe done too much changes. But to go to that moment in a Thistle game, like you asked, you won't be surprised at this, Gammy, but I I was I was taking notes and, and I missed what was going on. So I saw Tillman going down and I actually wrote in my notebook and I was talking to Martin and I said, I'm going to go back and look at this because I think he's had a nasty one there. So I'd made notes um, 77 minutes, whenever it was, Tillman challenge, potential stamp, blah, blah, blah. So I'd went away and, and not went away, but I'd, my eyes had I went away from what was going on. I'd seen that they were going to get the, the throw. And the next thing when I looked up, Tillman was clean through. So it, it all kind of went by on me because I was obviously delighted and I couldn't, I was like, what, why are they reacting like that? I couldn't really understand it, but I missed So I missed it. We then it then became very apparent everybody's eyes were on Michael Beale. He came out and he quickly gave the sign. You know there was a whole kind of amusing factor of of Alan McGregor, which we'll tell you a wee side story in that in a second about Alan McGregor. You know not being happy about it and, and things like that. But you know, Cammy, I've, I've I can see both sides of the argument. I think that's really fair. I I understand completely where people who say. They didn't care about us. They happily voted us down and they'd done us no favours, etc. I mean, I understand that completely. I get that. I also understand completely what the manager says and his reaction to it. And for want of, of maybe maybe even being wrong in this opinion, I agree with what Michael Beale done. If Rangers hadn't won the game, if things had went really bad, then... I suspect I would be thinking a lot different. I'm not going to lie to anyone. I think I'll be fickle about it. I would probably be sitting here complaining and saying he's completely done the wrong thing. You know, never mind anyone else concentrating on herself. But we're lucky that it worked out. I think that the players would have a, a massive amount of respect for him in that situation. And this is the, the wee tip bit I was going to say. At, at the Hall of Fame the other night when we spoke to Alan McGregor, we were just finishing the interview with him and I joked off camera I said who told you that we, we had to let Thistle score and he had a wee laugh and he said to be honest I seen Michael Beale coming out and um, aside of the, the kind of showmanship etc he said everybody completely agreed with him he, he spoke to us afterwards we were all in agreement and we're all 100% behind him 
And then he said, which I thought was key, um, to have him protect us like that was was fantastic. And we all agreed. And, you know, we, we all quickly forgot about it. So it's only really us that have fixated it more than the players. But I just thought that gave a tiny insight into how the players reacted to it. And they obviously thought it was the right thing to do as well. And I think Malik would have thought that as well. The whole thing was a misunderstanding. I I, I agree with what Michael Beale and even Ian McCall said. So it's just one of those things, bizarre things that when you and I go to a game and everybody else goes and we think, you know, what can Rangers do today to surprise us or what might happen? What are we going to see today? Then it's just another one of those bizarre moments that we probably won't even see again, Cammy. But it really was. It was. I think. I think they dealt with it properly, and I'm glad it worked out for us. Yeah, it's been interesting watching the the, the fallout from it of people's initial reactions immediately. You know, but when when it happened in the ground, to then uh, what we anticipated some of the media fallout to be. Uh, I'll come back onto that in just a minute, and then and then how it's all kind of continued from there. Because I'll be honest with you, Stevie. I, I, I under I totally understand why he did it. I think we as fans, as Rangers fans, are being slightly hypocritical because I think if we're winning that game 4-0 and that happens, then I think we all totally get behind the manager and take it from there. Because we were losing, then leading, and this would have equalised against us with 15 minutes left in the clock, I think that's why everybody failed to appreciate the decision of it. Now, that's not me saying that people are, are wrong. The reason why I say hypocritical is because I think in the right context, and uh, you know, with the right um, scoreline and with us being our best selves, then I think that it's not a problem because the game wouldn't have been a competition. We were terrible in the first half, absolutely terrible. And so a game that I think in the build-up to it, we felt pretty confident getting into Um I'll be perfectly honest with you, I had no idea of Thistle's run of form, which is why I was really surprised when, you know, later on, I think it was that night or potentially the next day, there was news, obviously, in McCall's sacking. Um, but I still felt confident. I still felt we could go in and do it. But we were terrible in the first half. And then Thistle, as I say, went ahead through a ridiculous decision because um, of a ridiculous law. We turned it around. But then with that on the clock, you're then thinking, shit, you know, this is going to be a problem. Whereas I think, as I say, if we're winning four or five, I don't think anyone cares. I think McGregor cares because he wants to keep a clean sheet. But if the game was done and dusted, I think most people would have would have appreciated it. What I also think, or what I, I suppose really what I thought at the time was, even from a PR perspective, this could have went one of two ways. I fully expected a media onslaught if Rangers hadn't made the decision, or Michael Beale hadn't made the decision, is to say, to allow Thistle to, to score. And I I honestly do believe there would have been an immediate onslaught at the back of that. Rangers win via dirty tactics or blah, 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 what have you. I think it would have been personal on Tillman. I think they would have dialed into that. Um, and the positive, I would have said, from from Michael Beale doing that protection that McGregor referenced there was, this could be something that convinces Malik Tillman to sign for Rangers permanently. And if that if that can get us moving in that direction and it's one factor that helps convince them to, to come to Rangers on a full-time basis, then it's absolutely been worth it. Absolutely been worth it. And I don't think anyone can can argue that. Flip side of that coin, as I say, in terms of of, of where we were with the, the, the decision and how he's looked to be able to try and do it, is I do think it was about player protection. I think it was about standards, all of which I understand. 
I didn't agree with the banner at Livingston um, last Saturday about you know upholding standards and trophy costs. I still think that there's a larger ethos around that, around Rangers. But yeah, at the same point, I think that you're totally right. We don't have a good relationship with Partick Thistle. Um, there is history between us. And yeah, when you take that out of the context of a of a, a game against Partick Thistle at Ibrox in the earlier stages of the of the Scottish Cup, you know, that's not happening in a old firm league game. You know, that's not happening against certain other teams. So I get it. I think that, you know, Tillman I think was was well protected within that and if that within itself um proves it to be a worthwhile exercise, then I think he's made absolutely the right decision. Is that? Do you think that's fair, or is that just me kind of hoping for the best? I think it is fair. I mean, Malik Tillman, I would imagine and hope that he knows now that he's he's got a manager that's prepared to not only protect him, you know, in the press and stuff, but do what's right for him on the field as well. I I genuinely think as a young lad, he just didn't he just didn't understand. Like I, I just think he missed it. Like they were saying. And then to have that level of protection, and Michael Beale also made it about him, which was quite clever. He made it, he was, you know, the the swing of of being about what Malik Tillman actually done quickly became what Michael Beale done. So that that topic, and and I agree with you as well, and this is what I mean by, you know, that topic of focus on on uh, Malik Tillman was gone more or less. It was all about Michael Beale. Had he not have done that, I completely agree. I think he would have became a target for not only grounds around Scotland, but the press, like you say. So I hope, like you, that this would this would help persuade him and, you know, make him feel like he's part of something. And, you know, and as a young lad, all that can be important. Michael Beale talks about being a father figure to people and stuff like that. So he's obviously got a good relationship. You see the relationship he's got with the likes of Ryan Kent and stuff. So I would hope that Malik Tillman feels like that too. And his form, Malik Tillman, since Michael Beale has come in, has been nothing short of, of fantastic. So let's hope that anything, uh, like you say, you know, any little bit that helps, if that's certainly going to help him, then great. Well, that takes us on nicely to um, probably our next stop. Last time we spoke, we were still in the midst of the transfer window. Um, and now that the the dealings have concluded we have obviously brought in uh, Cantwell and Raskin um, I want to talk to you a little bit Stevie if I can around um, Michael Beale's overall style of play how you've been able to try and see it evolve and, and, and develop um, there's obviously uh, you know the, the results that we've spoken about and some of the performances that we've spoken about but I think you touched on a great point earlier on when you talk about things like a settled defence and, and and more consistency. Yeah, we might not have kept clean sheets in all the games that we're talking about, but we kept a, a number. But also, uh, I don't, I'm not saying that you know certain decisions haven't gone our way, or you know you sing that song and stuff. But we have looked far more solid. Well, we've we look far more solid at the back. But I think a settled midfield coming into that now as well, and 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 the acquisition of of, of two midfielders who for me. You know, they don't look like they've missed a beat. They've slotted right in, which I think looks absolutely fantastic. Do you feel now that that as you've seen games progressing week on week, and as I say, we've had a couple of cup games in there mixed in with the, the league games, are you now starting to see where Michael Beale feels that his Rangers team, um, you know, should, you know, where they should be pressing, where they should be, 
looking to be able to try and, and, and step up the work rate and overall what the blueprint is? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it's it's quite... It's been... When he talks about it, even, even today, he says that he feels that we're on the mend, which is something I've mentioned. That's how I feel when I watch us, Cammy. When you look at the performance at Livingston, you know, a lot of people had things to say about that. But I think that there's two parts to this of where he wants us to go. And it's only only what I think I'm seeing. He wants a controlled, solid unit, which I don't think we're too far away from having. If you consider that the back four is fairly settled, he maybe wants another centre back in there. He then, the midfield is going to be Raskin plus one. So it's who really comes in and presses next to him. We need a goalkeeper. That situation is not going to change. But what's happened is the focus is maybe off him a wee bit because we've started to look a wee bit more solid as a unit. So he wants us performing well, off the ball, particularly solid. And just the way we were when we were at the peak under the management before he left. He also wants... He also wants a really speedy attack and he wants he wants that kind of clinicalness. So it's there's almost two parts to the team, if that makes sense. Because he, he wants a defensive solid unit, he wants a fast attacking, striking options and things. We've not got that yet. He's not where he wants to be forward wise. But you can see the shape. The shape's definitely going to be the solid four, the goalkeeper, the two protectors, six and eight, if you like. And then there's going to be that controlling possession football where he'll want to spring. He wants to spring the counter, as we did so effectively well in Europe under him. But he wants, he also wants us to be on the front foot and be able to break lines and stuff. Now, one of the earliest problems that we had under Michael Beale, Stephen Gerrard teams, is that we couldn't break lines. Well, he's he already has the knowledge of of knowing that as such and, and being able to want to fix that. And the players that he's signing and targeting, if you look at it, Raskin, very progressive, um, very quick tempo player, likes to break lines, likes to play those passes. Todd Cantwell's the exact same. Malik Tillman, he wants to keep him the exact same type of player. So they problems, Cammy. we don't seem to be falling into that trap. I mean, scoring goals hasn't been the issue. So if you look at the Livingston performance on Saturday, he would want us to be better in attack, absolutely. And he'd, so I think that's where we are. But if you go to Levy and they don't have a, a shot on target, Alan McGregor doesn't have a save of any note. And we're very comfortable during that match. I think there was one long throw that we didn't deal with that we looked a wee bit dodgy from. The boy had a half chance at the back post. That's the level of control he's aiming for. But it's not quite clicked the other side. It's a work in progress that way. And it was never, ever going to be solved instantly by him. But I feel like... I feel like I can identify with what he's trying to do. There's a style there. Absolutely, you can see the wingers all cutting in, for example, playing close, closer together. They're not isolated. You want Alfredo holds up the ball. I don't know if you've noticed. I made this point a few times. They're playing it into his feet a lot more with runners beyond. You can see them do that quite a bit. So there's certain elements in style that you can definitely see what they're trying to do. I agree with him. I like that terminology when he says we're on the mend. I think that's exactly where we are, and I think we're looking, we're looking positive, and it's looking good for where we need to be. But that's still, that's still quite a bit away. He made an interesting point today. He said even if they do win the cup on Sunday, we still need to then go and lift it on Monday morning an extra 25 percent, and that's that's the way it's got to be. So I'm pleased with where we are. I'm pleased with what we what we're seeing. 
and and I think I identify with what he's trying to do. Be interesting to see what other people thought if they kind of resonate with my feelings there. But there's definitely I look at his team and think there's two parts to it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think you knew that he was going to come in and have that focus on the defence, which was needed, right? Of course it was, right? Anyone coming in and saying, look, you're sipping far too many goals, sloppy goals that, in my opinion, can be very much avoided and he's been able to try and show that up. I think that there's, there's the, the timing has worked with Connor Goldson coming back into the team. There's, there's zero doubt about that and obviously the partnership that's created with Ben Davies. You and I have been brought up on Rangers teams that have solid centre-half pairings um, and, and so it's always our kind of go-to place for these kind of things. But... As well as that, and I think that this was what, what was really needed, was being able to try and look where we could get a spread of goals from across the team, which I think has is, is definitely started to come into play because, you know, although he hasn't scored in a little while and he's obviously had his injury concerns, the reason why Cholak was such an important player for us right at the beginning of the season was because it was, it was coming through him. It had to come through him. Now other players, I think, with a new Lisa license that Beale has given him, you, you know, you look at guys like Ryan Kent, obviously is the most most you know obvious example in terms of um, we've we've almost reinvented what we want out of the back of him. He's he's clearly got a great relationship with Beale and he buys into what he's doing, and that I think is probably where Ryan Kent was a little bit lost pre Beale um, and what he, he he felt he could contribute. Um, on the park and potentially was too hemmed in on the left-hand side. Sakala is still an unknown quantity in terms of, you know, what what you get out of him from an end product. Um, but it's working in terms of, you can see there's a development there. You can see that he's looking to come into it. Alfie, as you say, has been able to hit a decent run of form. Um, I think I need a little bit of convincing Stevie as to whether or not that's what Beal has brought into him, trying to get his fitness levels back up because he was in terrible shape, but he's getting better. But also we know his contract situation. So I need convinced that it's not just about the contract and what he's trying to do, whether to stay at Rangers or put himself in the short window. Time I will think tell. That's, I think that's fair as well. I think many people think that. No, I, I, and I get that because let's face it, I think it divides opinion, but the more goals that Alfie, Alfie scores the winner, in the League Cup final, everybody will want him to stay. I get I totally, totally understand that. And there's arguments for and against in terms of whether or not we sign him, he goes, you know, what the next steps are for him and stuff as well. But as I say, that will that will sort itself out in due course. Um, focusing on, on Cantwell and Raskin um, specifically, uh, you know, as you mentioned there, they've, they've come into a midfield which needed a degree of of consistency which we we haven't really had we've probably had to rely on guys who i i think it's just been a a, a mixed season for them so you talk about guys like ryan jack you talk about you know glenn kamada john lindstrom hasn't had a great season by the standards that he set in the first half of the year last year um but Raskin, I think, has come in as a, as a, as a number six. He, he wants to be able to get the ball. He wants to be able to get involved with it. And if I'm totally honest with you, Stevie, Todd Cantwell has really taken me sideways a little bit by his energy levels, been able to come in, given the lack of football um, before coming to Rangers. I would have thought it would have taken him weeks to be able to try and get up to speed. He might have been off a step, etc. He looks like he's, he's, he's been playing consistently before he came to us. And playing good football and in a confident space. So 
I'm really going to take my hat off, my hat off to him in terms of his approach, in terms of how well he's fitted within the team. Um, he's actually quite a brave guy, and what I mean by that is he, he's given us an injection of something that we've missed. And when I say bravery, I don't mean steaming into tackles; I mean taking risks, being able to try and play intelligent balls that will create opportunities, that will, you know, a variety of of, of crosses. You know, we've we've seen. You know, Malik Tillman obviously scored a, a wonderful um, header, but that was a chip ball from Raskin, who basically created the move on his own in the right-hand side, then chipped in right on the bylines. A wonderful goal, but a brilliant cross. I just think he looks, you know, really like he stepped into gear with it. And I think we've been very fortunate with that, but these have all contributed to the results that we've been talking about. Um, and, and I think that they've been very, very good signings. And I'm pleased that we've got it right within a transfer window. Yeah, the, the funny thing about you talking about Cantwell there is um, something interesting I actually mentioned to him when he first signed. Um, people would have heard the interview on, on Heart and Hand as well as maybe read it in the blog or whatever, but I asked him at the time, I said, you've you've got a, a reputation that, that you maybe you don't work as hard off the ball and, and things like that. And he, and he said himself, he said, I don't understand where that's came from. I do recognise it and people have said that. He says, but I work you know, he's, I think he says he works his balls off for the team. And, you know, we, we've actually seen that. The amount of times that he's he's maybe tried something, it's not come off. He's went and then retained the ball and got it back and started again. He likes a wee flick. He likes a wee bit of, wee bit of style. But we have, for a very long time, wanted players that were a wee bit different because we had a midfield of Jack, Kamara, um, Davis, who were all very similar. Now there's different options in there. And that's what I mean about Beal quickly being able to understand this league and what it takes to, to win and the low block that you might face. He's immediately brought in two players that can counter that. Now, Raskin was was one that was needed. So the attention is on him immediately because he he is one that we've all wanted. I think that's fair. I think we, we've all wanted that kind of dynamic players since God knows how long. And if you think about his type of player, you maybe have to go back to, to Barry Ferguson before you get a style like it. Now, I'm not equating him to Barry Ferguson. I'm not saying he's anywhere near the quality levels or anything like that. But his game is similar. When was the last time we had a six that could, or an eight, whatever he wanted to play, that could go and retrieve the ball, pressure, play those passes and set the tempo from midfield? It really is a long time. Todd Cantwell has been able to then sit in the background and kind of play. Now, I think Todd Cantwell maybe would have got more focus if Raskin wasn't there and Malik Tillman wasn't on such a good run. He's been able to settle, and I think he's surprised a few people. And it's funny, when you speak to him, he's been very honest. He says, I'm months away from where I really want to be. And I think you'll start to see the best of him the more game time he gets and the more he settles in. But as for as for a transfer window, we needed to start getting, you know, like we we needed if we're signing two players in, in January like we did we needed them both to hit the ground running or both to to look the part if we go to the summer and we get six in those six need to be good ones well the two that they've got in like we've just spoken about there is they both hit the ground running and they both look the part Michael Beale says he's he's looking forward to working with them on on the journey you know and he's two players that he's really looking forward to to being with and two young lads that he can coach and work with so that gives you a wee idea of how he feels about it but it brings an energy and a kind of legs and dynamism 
that um, that we've maybe not had in there. So two good signings, Cami. Really pleased, and and we can say that now a few weeks later. There's a lot more to come from them, and even you know as we begin to talk about Sunday, it's a completely different task and completely different game for them. But with regards to two signings, and also which I think is important is there was a lot of talk that we needed four or five. And even I would have said that Michael Beale said at points, maybe we'll get between two and four and things. And people were in a rush and in a hurry. Rangers didn't, they, they stuck to what they wanted. They had a clear, they had a clear path that they followed. And I think that's important as well, Cammy. See, before we go to the summer, and there's a lot of football to be played before then, understand that. But Michael Beale's spoken already about his target being a number nine, a goalkeeper, maybe another centre half a winger depending on what happens and stuff if we have a proper plan in place then I think it avoids a January like last last January when Gio was maybe only in a wee bit and he maybe Ross Wilson had more influence and stuff like that if it's Beal and there's a proper plan and Wilson's working with him not on his own kind of thing, which we had worried about before, or I certainly had worried about before, I'm more confident because I do think that Ross Wilson's good at some things within his role. I'm not convinced he's he's should be let to sign players, etc., which maybe I felt happened last January when we got certain players in that didn't work and Gio clearly didn't fancy. So if we've learned from that and it's more organised and it's a more plan and say like January there, we do get two in, but they are two good ones that's going to focus us and, and help us for the next, not only few months, but few years, then that works for me. And I'm more comfortable and more excited about the prospect of the summer when they've got that kind of dynamic and plan between them. Yeah, there's there's a, a fair bit in there, which I think I think most people would would, would definitely agree with in terms of the Wilson capacity of it, that needs, I think, a little bit more time to be able to try and finesse itself. Um, you know, more so from probably getting the fans on board with where his involvement would be within that. And I don't think Rangers, by the way, would would hurt themselves by being able to try and clarify some of where that situation comes at. I worry that they've not done that because I think there's also times where you maybe want to be the guy who signs the totally undervalued um, super kid who comes in and you you know you make 25 million pound on him I think it's great when you can have the credit for that but sometimes when you've you've spent money elsewhere that you know hasn't been probably spent as wisely as it could have been I think is a nice way to say it then yeah I think that that kind of changes it Stevie one thing I do want to do before we we obviously approach uh, the most recent events um specifically around Hall of Fame and also looking forward to um, the game against Celtic in Sunday in the League Cup final. As, um, for for our sins, you and I are both qualified referees. And we've we've um, been referees for, for a number of years and stuff. And um, I think by and large, I think we agree on, on the vast majority of things when it comes to our approach to refereeing. One of the things I want to talk to you about really briefly, doesn't even involve Rangers, but I'm just keen to kind of get your take on it, was um, in the... Uh, I believe it was a Scottish Cup game against St Mirren, I think, um, at Parkhead. Celtic fans within their singing section released a banner, un- un- uh, unfurled a banner aimed at Douglas Ross, um, who was running the line um, on that particular game, calling him a word which I will not repeat. Um, 
and it appears to be the case, and as I say, this was a, a good couple of weeks ago now, but it appears to be the case has com- went completely unanswered. The reason I want to talk about it is not because of the, the, the banner itself or that fan group or that club or, or whatever else as well in terms of, you know, the language and whether it was appropriate or not in terms of in a, in a, in a stadium which probably had kids in it and stuff, because that's a totally separate conversation. What I do want to talk about a little bit, if that's all right, is we've mentioned quite a lot. You've said it in your blogs because I've read it. We've, we've talked about it in heart and hand. Um, and we've seen, I think, a concerted media effort by certain pundits and ex-players of a certain club been able to try and and create a narrative around uh, VAR, um, around pressure on particular referees. Now, this isn't a new thing. The VAR thing is, because obviously it's a new technology to Scotland, but pressure on referees wherever it possibly can be applied. Um, now, we all know that referees are inherently biased towards Rangers. That's why we win, you know, trophy after trophy every single season, certainly across the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. It's been, you know, unrelenting in terms of our our silverware haul. But all joking to one side, that banner, I think, gave an opportunity to the SFA to come out and against a member club say these uh, instances that you talk about in the press and media, we can do nothing about. Okay, you can't take action against a pundit or an ex-player or a columnist or whatever, because technically you could say, well, that person has nothing to do with the club. They are, we all know, on retainer, they they respond to the klaxon whenever something has to be said, um, you know, in an anti-Rangers or pro-Celtic favour. But the SFA had the opportunity to go to a member club and say, you need to explain to us, firstly, how that banner got into the stadium, why it was allowed to stay up, and theoretically take action against the club for basically not doing anything about it whatsoever. Yet, I think we are all wise enough to these tricks now, and we've went down this road so often before, the SFA will do nothing about that. And fundamentally, the people who suffered at the end of that abuse are tenured referees, such as Douglas Ross, Tenured officials who, um, again, like you say, we know aren't in a full-time refereeing capacity. Future referees coming up through the system and the recruitment of referees. If your governing body of your country will not protect you, why would you continue doing it if you're already doing it? Why would you look to do it if you were interested in pursuing uh, a part-time career within that space and it's not easy to get to you and I both know that you and I have shared our own you know we've had our own fair share of abuse I've got to be honest with you Stevie my viewpoint on this is I think it's reprehensible that the SFA are not protecting referees to that regard no one's going to convince me that it was politically motivated I don't give a shit about Douglas Ross and his, his, his political leanings or any positions that he holds within political parties, because that has absolutely nothing to do with that banner. I fundamentally believe it was done because it's part of a concerted effort to make referees think twice about making certain decisions, whether they're on the field of play, running a line, or sitting in a room with a VAR uh, piece of technology in front of them. I think intimidation works, Cammy. We've seen it before. The forced a situation I don't know 10 12 years ago where we had to get European refs in and almost had a couple of weeks cancelled in, in our league you know with threats and 
windows broken and all sorts that went on a way back then. This is now, it's funny because it was quiet for a few months when it was just you and, you know, they didn't feel threatened. Michael Beale, you know, is really under their skin. I think they realise that, you know, things are, are kind of picking up our end and there has been an, a concerted effort. I don't remember the last time Rangers won a game and there wasn't a, a concerted movement against us on social media or whatever for a certain decision or or even you know even the decision on, on Saturday at Livingston where Morelos is quite clearly having his shirt almost pulled off his back it's not a question of you know that's that's not a penalty it, it gets flipped and said well why weren't these ones penalties you know blah 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 so we are sitting here three weeks to a month after that that banner is, is displayed over however long it is I'm the same as you. I cannot believe that we have not had action over that. And I don't for one second think that if that had been a banner at for Park or, or Tanadice or Tynecastle or whatever, that that club would have been hauled upon um, in front of the, the Beaks at uh, Hamden. So it's definitely a case of intimidation works for me. Even if you look at it as a human level, I, I had to laugh a couple of weeks ago because Chris Sutton, who has always got a lot to say, spoke about intimidation for young referees on on amateur level on a Sunday or Saturday morning and he did a game and and blah 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 and he spoke really much about it when that banner was displayed he had nothing to say in support of Scottish referees or or Douglas Ross or anything like that and the irony isn't lost there on me so I find that as you know as what's the word I'm looking I can't even think you know I find it as surprising but not surprising because it's him. It's it's all just it's all geared up one way. I think that I you know I, I, you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm amazed that nothing's been done about that. You cannot you cannot have that even for officials. Now look, we've seen some appalling decisions, um, some appalling performances. We had John Beaton. We've we've had Clancy Hibbs Celtic um, at Parkhead. Even though we won that game, there's been so many individual games where you've said unbelievable. You know, they talk about VAR and offside decisions. The, the last time there was a League Cup final, Cammy, you know, there was about eight of them in the car park at Hamden and, and the goal still stood. So let's not pretend that, you know, they, they don't get anything and, and everything else. It's, it's very much a concerted effort, like you said. But that banner anywhere on any match official who are human beings and and have made a fair amount of mistakes. I get that, you know, the standard across there. But even when you look at England a couple of weeks ago, you look at the Arsenal goal that potentially, you know, maybe could have cost them heavily and, and still could cost them. The the boy that, that done that, now the referee, I think it was Lee Mason, has, is now no longer with, you know, the, the bar association and stuff. He's gone. There's accountability down there, at least up here. You know, you look at it and, Let's go way back even to Easter Road when, you know, we had John Lundstrom sent off. We've spoke about this on this pod. So we've, we've had these decisions being made against us. There was no banners against Willie Collum weeks after. This is just, you know, it's, it's politically motivated as well as being they see Douglas Ross as, as something that he's, he's, he's maybe not. But as the SFA, as the governing bodies, have completely let him down and all referees by not acting upon that. You can't have it. You can't do it. If it happened in UEFA, say that was a banner against one of the UEFA ones in Champions League and that, you better believe that they would be fined and hauled upon. So I don't understand why we've taken so long. And, and it looks like it's almost like a case of if we just leave it long enough, people will just forget. But I'm with you. I don't think it's fair. No matter what, I don't think it's nice. 
as officials, we've been there, and you know, we it's, it's sometimes it's not fun, um, and and we have it even more difficult because we don't have all the technology and assistance and everything else, so it's it's almost impossible for what we do. But um, if you know, if I was faced with, with something like that, you know, it would be it would be really detrimental to me wanting to do it anymore. So I don't understand. I don't. Um, um, I can't imagine what he felt at the time and and whatever else. But look, see on a human level as well, it's just not nice. It's just it's not done. I would hate to think the Rangers would go down that route with regards to officials and stuff like that or whatever. So it's just I, I agree with you, Cammy. I think it's worth covering. I'm glad you brought it up. And it's a real a real neglect of duty and care for the professional referees or, or not professional but of our referee association not to cover it yeah yeah and as I say I just thought it'd be good to get your thoughts on it because as I say from one referee to another but I can imagine people listening to this will be going um you know all referees are such and such uh, we've all been called it Stevie so we'll get back on to, to what we're really here to talk about um on Sunday evening, Stevie, you were um, a, a part of the attendance of the, the, the Hall and Fame induction, uh, which saw Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis and James Tavernier inducted into, uh, into our Hall of Fame. We obviously haven't had uh, inductees for quite a while. Um, tell us a little bit around your experience. I know that there's going to be some of it which uh, we've, we've got within also heart and hand and also uh, within four lads stuff as well. But how did you find the occasion does it feel like as if it's been good to be able to get back to to, to, to recognising some of these guys after certainly our recent history and, and not really having the opportunity to be able to try and do that? First of all, it was a great night. It went really, really well. Edmondson House really is a fantastic venue. Uh, I should imagine most people have maybe seen it. If you haven't, I think it will be something that really benefits the club. Even little things, the club shop, two-tier club shop, is back to being the levels that we expect it to even silly things, it's full of like pocket change stuff. And there's tat, there's plenty of things to buy. Even is the new rubber duck shit, mate? There's rubber ducks, there's scarves, there's posters, there's magnets, there's silly stuff that we've all asked for and we all wanted. There's a, a great range over the two flights, so that's straight away. There's a wee cafe there. It is a small cafe, right? There isn't much to it. The museum's coming along. We're expecting that to be open summertime. That's going to be another fantastic, um, you know, attribute to, for the place. The, the downstairs fan zone, you know, is 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 brilliant. It was transformed. You wouldn't have thought that you were in um, the kind of fan zone with the setup the other night. So it was fantastic. My overall personal experience of, of the other night, along with with David and Adam and Martin, we were there. We it was great. It was cool. We got to see the behind the scenes kind of thing. All the players were milling about. They were all friendly, all over chatting, saying hello or whatever. And the actual Hall of Fame inductees, um, Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis, James Tavernier, gave us quite a lot of time. Now, we think about interviews and you think about sitting down with guys for half an hour and that. It's not like that. That's not really how it works. If you get, if you think about, you know, the after-game pressers and stuff like that on our TV and on Twitter and things that you see from Rangers, they're normally only three minutes long. So we ended up getting Alan McGregor five, six minutes. Stephen Davis was longer. James Tavernier nearly 10, which is quite a lot of time for these guys. So they were all brilliant with us, all spoke away. And, and people, it's funny because Alan McGregor's interview, you know, everybody's heard him in the past, Cammy, like how he is with the press and stuff like that. And he's a wee bit flippant and he was completely different. He was so, 
humbled. He was quite emotional. Stephen Davis was a wee bit like that as well. And the, the guys were just delighted. So to see that from that side of things, I thought it was brilliant. I think all the inductees deserve it. Would I think that there's an argument, maybe James Tavernier slightly too early, or you would have wanted more silverware. He probably wants that as well. So, in fact, not probably, he does want that as well. He told us point blankly. So there's that side of it. But just to be able to kind of do that sort of night again, everybody had a great time. There were lots of great photos on social media. The whole setup was really nice. It went without a hitch. These kind of nights need to be, start becoming more of a, a kind of um, normality for this club as well. The Edmondson House is, is a showcase venue now for us. So there's a wee bit of work still to be done on it, like I said, with the museum. And then outside, they're still fixing the kind of, um, it's going to be like a amphitheatre kind of style seating area. So that's still to be fixed. These things will be fixed by the end of March. I'm reliably told by um, Dave and Ruth, who are in uh, the managers at, at the complex, as is the the big advertising space that's going on the side of it. So it's still a work in progress in that way, but there's a lot to be really delighted with, a lot to be proud of as well, with regards to the club having that facility. The night itself overall, a great experience. I've got to say as well that the Rangers media team, Nick Thompson and, and the guys over there, I know it's a small thing, but people listening, the way that they embrace fan media and the, and the access they've given to the likes of, of the blog, the Heart and Hand and things, has been incredible these last few months. Just this week on Heart and Hand and on the blog, we'll have um, Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis, James Tavernier, Borna Barisic, um, Todd Cantwell, etc. These all live interviews, you know, and, and that's the level of access we're now able to bring you. So it's really exciting, it's really geeky, and it's it's really good from that side of view, point of view, and I hope that everybody's kind of enjoying that. Well, keeping on that theme, and let's head towards Sunday, as you, you mentioned, I think, briefly earlier on, Stevie, um, we are recording on Tuesday evening, and uh, earlier on today, you were across at Hamden for the League Cup final uh, pre-match press conference, which somewhat bizarrely included both old firm managers simultaneously. Um, but again, as I say, within that kind of that that opportunity as fan media to be able to be there and and, and give us the updates and stuff as well. Colin um, provided a, an update to David for the daily update um, on on today's uh, pod. Um, Really great to be able to try and see it. What, what, what was the, the, the kind of general feeling, do you think, from Michael Beale in terms of his approach towards Sunday? Um, it's, 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 it's going to be a huge game, as we're going to talk about in a wee moment. But what do you think the, kind of, the, the confidence levels are for the manager at the moment? Quietly confident. I think there's a real steely determination. I think he, he mentioned that um, he's quite happy where we are. He was really respectful. There wasn't a lot today. Got to be honest with you, Cammy. There wasn't a lot today in the press conference at all. It was very generic. Though, excuse me, the players were off yesterday, and they're only they were only doing a recovery session today, so they haven't really trained properly. So injury-wise, there was no updates, and he said that nobody would be back, and and or or kind of nobody was back today, and we would need to wait and see later on in the week. He also said that the team that we had at the weekend is very much what we'll more likely see. I think that's a completely politician answer because I then asked him right at the end, what's happening with, with Scotty Arfield? We haven't seen him in a wee bit. And he says, oh, he's been out for months with a calf injury. We knew he was injured, but we just didn't know the extent of it. And then he went on to say that he's he's fit. We'll rejoin training and later on in the week. 
and he'll be he'll be able to be selected on Sunday if needed. But he told us right at the start that you know nobody else would be joined in. So it was a bit of a politician's answer. I'm not worried about it in regard to Tillman or or fitness wise. He was very respectful. He said a lot of times that um, you know the teams were like each other and you know we were building towards it. Celtic have got a really good side, really good players. Both teams have got players that can go and play in higher levels and stuff. So he was very controlled. He was very respectful and he was very much not wanting to create any waves around his press conference and the things that he said in front of the media um, ahead of Sunday. I think it's there was a steely determination around it's now business time, it's time to now work. The doors get shut on the media after after tomorrow afternoon and then it's you know three, four days just with him and the players and they, they're going to get ready. He was quick to point out that it doesn't matter what happens at the weekend. Come Monday morning, we need to go again and we still need to go 20-25% up immediately before we get to the areas that we're around where we need to be. And then he needs a full summer. That's what he said. He needs a full summer with these guys and the players that he wants to bring in. So we're a work in progress. He said that. That phrase, we're on the mend, he said that, which I've already mentioned. So it was a very guarded and very controlled presser we've we've spoken about him before people have a lot to say about him needing media training and stuff like that but I think Michael Beale's learning what the thing is with Michael Beale compared to Gio is Michael Beale's a football man he likes talking about football he likes answering questions when you ask him about his players or you ask him about a certain things he gets excited and he wants to discuss it sometimes that kind of goes you know a wee bit sideways or he says a wee bit too much about what he's wanting to play but he's just you know, he's not had 40 games yet as a manager. He's learning. He said that himself today. That was his exact phrase. He's learning. He's uh, he's becoming accustomed to, to what it takes. But I've got a lot of faith in him. Everybody knows that. I really like him. I really think he'll take us to the place we, we need to be. I've seen a look in him, a steely kind of determination that I like. He's, he's very focused on the prize and the prize ahead. So... This is a great opportunity to put down a, a building block in, in terms of where we want to go under Michael Beale. And so on to that then, Stevie, and I think as, as you'd mentioned there, I've got to be honest with you, I think that we have to come out the blocks strong um, on, on, on Sunday afternoon at Hamden. Uh, we've probably, and I know the manager has alluded to this, right, so it's an open secret, but he's not been pleased with how we've started games. We mentioned before, um, in our last, you know, uh, cup game against Partick Thistle, the first half was pretty atrocious. We need to be able to start strong because I believe that Celtic will be thoroughly motivated with it. As much as I don't like to say it, they will go into this brimming with confidence because of their form recently. But we need to be able to take the game to them and we need to be able to make sure that we're, we, we are ready for a physical battle. We're going to need to play some high tempo and high energy football in order to be able to showcase, I think, a standard that we have seen infrequently, but we are definitely capable of producing. Um, he, he's got to be able to make sure that the players understand the size of this. Albeit, you know, I think that the league is, is is out of reach. I understand that. I hate to say it, but it's true. The League Cup, Stevie, as far as I'm concerned, always feels like the Rangers Cup, and it's been far too long since we've had it in the trophy uh, the trophy cabinet. So. I think he has to be able to go out there and just say to, to to all of them, you know, go and give it your absolute all. 
um, because the if the the New Year game showed anything, it's it's that we can we can match them and should have beaten them in January as you mentioned. We've got to we've got to go out there and put everything towards them. You got to remember as well that January game we we didn't start 20, 25 minutes before Ryan Kent pressurised Hart and then hit the post subsequently or Morelos, sorry, it was one of pressurised, won it and Kent hit, hit the post. We hadn't played that game at all, but we we hurt them, Cammy, set pieces. Morelos had two great chances. Kent had hit the post. We could have scored three by half time. We didn't. But then we rocked them within the five minutes and we're 2-1 up. We can hurt them. We've got players that can hurt them. I'm more than confident of that. The big thing is what you said, and that's a huge point. We have to make sure we're on the ball from the start. Michael Beale referenced it today. We have to be switched on. We have to recognise. Listen, they're a good side. I don't think there's any... It's not an unstaunch thing to say. They are a good side. They're a very good attacking side, but they are weak in defence. Centre of that defence can be manipulated. They don't track runners very well. So there is room for, for the likes of Malik Tillman to have that big star performance we're waiting on. There is opportunities to hurt them, but we have to be mindful you know, we laugh about um, Maeda and stuff like that, but that boy's dangerous, he's fast, he's quick. Um, Kyogo can finish. Um, they've got other options there. If it's a bad Jota, Forrest, these guys are all capable of adding goals. Ironically, what we're searching for from our wide players, they have an abundance. Their midfield's strong. If you sit off at Hitati and O'Reilly and things can play. But at the same time, they don't like it in their faces. They don't like it up them as such, as we proved at New Year. We disrupted them quite a bit in New Year, Cami. And we are miles away from where we need to be. And, and we are now, I would say that's what, six, seven weeks ago, we're now in a much better place than we were then. So we can be confident going into Sunday that we can, it's not like a game in the past where we went there that we should be worried or, or we are not in this. We are in this. And we are as much, in the game as they are and I get completely they're a good side and, and they're flying high in the league and stuff like that but we've we've got confidence behind us we've got a settled defence goalkeeper you know there's six seven eight of them that will pick themselves so we're in a good place um you know quietly we we can go about our business and head into Sunday feeling okay about this I don't want to start saying confident and, and stuff like that because then you know, you don't want to push, I'm very, you don't want to start tempting fate and stuff like that. But in terms of preparation and how we look, I think we're in the best shape we possibly could be. Injuries and stuff, they'll take care of themselves. You know, we, we always go into these games like that. I would really hope that Jack, Tillman, Lonnie and stuff make it. If they don't, it's up to the next person to step in and come in. So it's a big one. You're, what you said, I think, is, is so key. We have to be on the ball. We have to start well. We we can hurt them. It'll be interesting to see how they react to us going ahead. I don't think we've taken the lead against them maybe since we, Ramsey scored earlier on in, um, under Geo, and I think they, they, they managed to come back. But I'd like to see us take the lead in a game like Sunday and see how they would react to that under Beal. It's a different... I think we're a definitely a different proposition to where we were. We're more... We're more, well, at times we are, you know, as you said, there's some games we're leaking goals and you look at Patrick Fissel and stuff like that, circumstance again, but we're a lot more controlled, we're a lot more composed defensively in that. So um, I'm looking forward to I think we have more than a puncher's chance. I'm, 
I'm, I'm trying to stay grounded, but I do think that we, we've got a real chance on Sunday. It's not like before where you're expecting or, or really worried about hiding. I think we've got a real chance, and I think that there'll be a, a steely determination not only about the manager, but also the players. He said something quite interesting today, Cammy, and this is maybe something that I should have said when you asked earlier, but he said that a lot of these players don't have the League Cup medals. It's one that they're missing from their set, and um, that's a big, a big motivator. Now, we know that these games can be a fine margin, so we'll take any kind of positives we can. But And they still talk about that game in 2019, the offside winner and stuff, rankling them a wee bit. So we've got a wee bit of unfinished business on Sunday afternoon, um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how we go. Yeah, and, and to prove my earlier point, Stevie, about football fans being hypocrites, I honestly hope we score from the handballiest of handballs and we were to win it 1-0, I wouldn't give a shit. I would happily take that right now because I would totally do it for the lols, as the kids say. But a serious point, um, I, I say I'm confident now it's midweek. I'll dip in confidence, I'll go up in confidence. It's exactly what happens in the build-up to an old firm game, much less an old firm League Cup final. I echo everything that you've said. There's, there's, there's players in there who, whilst I appreciate, obviously, it's missing from the collection and stuff, we've not had enough silverware. Um, we, uh, we we know that, 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 that Tav wants more and should he get more. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy for him to be able to continue on that campaign to grow his, his, his uh, medal hall because anything he does is going to be good for us. Um, and there's going to be a number of players who will go into that atmosphere and I think that they can take the confidence and the belief that Michael Beale has given them. And I think belief is a key word, I really do, because um, I want to always look at things as a positive. It's, it's kind of who I am as a person and probably how I've matured, I think, that I would like to always look at things as a positive. What we've said before, Stevie, a number of times about maybe not being overwhelmed with performances, what I would say is that, you know, you've still shown the character and the integrity to, to get a result, you know, to get the three points. Even if you've had to come from a goal down, even if you've had to overcome a, a poor, you know, first half performance, you've still been able to go and get the wins. And and, and again, that does give a, a, an installation of belief, of self-confidence. We're probably treading that line, in my opinion, Stevie, of being able to say we are confident in ourselves, but we don't have a swagger yet. We know that Celtic have a swagger because they can score goals and that's all very well and good for them. We, however, are a much different beast than they've faced in recent times. That January game, I think, was a shot across the bow. So looking at ourselves, and we will always look, um, you know, internally at what we can do and what we can deliver. And we are not obsessed with that lot. Obviously, it can't be said, vice versa. But when we look towards ourselves, we can look towards what we've achieved under Michael Beale thus far and a near perfect domestic record. So I don't think you can ask for much more than that. Stevie, we've, we've talked about this for an hour now. Um, I think we could go another hour, if I'm being perfectly honest, because of, of, of being able to talk about all things that we love about Rangers. Um, a pleasure to talk to you as always, my friend. We'll be back again in a few weeks um, to discuss where we are at that point, hopefully. Um, League Cup winners. Uh, but always a pleasure uh, to be able to, to, to speak to you. As I mentioned before, folks, if you haven't um, had an opportunity to jump onto Heart and Hand, uh, please go and listen to some of our free shows there, wherever you get your podcast content um, and also onto our Patreon uh, site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Stevie, where can the guys read some of the excellent Four Lads blogs? 
fourladshadadream.blog. You can type that into Google, it'll come up. You can also follow um, on that. There's not a subscription or anything, it's a free site. Everything we do, all your access is all free. And you can find us also on social media, Four Lads at a Dream blog. Um, you'll find us on Twitter. You'll find us on Instagram. You'll find us on TikTok even. Um, so there's over 125,000 people that follow us on social media. So if you want to get on and, and give us a wee follow, that'd be grand. As I said, there's loads of Rangers content out there, not only in Heart and Hand for free, but also the likes of the blog. There's a good wee mix. You can listen on Heart and Hand. You can read on four lads so i think it works quite well we all work together as a fan media so it's quite good and let's hope as you said cami that when we get back here and um, we've got you know that league cup final win to talk about and good luck to the team and the manager and i hope everybody has a great day on sunday yeah absolutely folks no matter if you're going to the game if you're watching it you know out to the pub no matter where in the world you're watching it enjoy it let's ensure that rangers get a victory stay safe look after each other and Stevie and I will be back with you in the Rangers Relay in the coming weeks as well. Thanks so much for listening. was a heart and hand production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.